Hello everyone, and welcome back to Astral Cognition's podcast, Creative Minds. My name is Shika, and I will be your host for this episode. Astral Cognition is a student-run platform dedicated to empowering the creators of our world and guiding everyone through the process of becoming a creator. On Creative Minds, we take a look at creativity in the real world. We have awe-inspiring interviews with successful creators, magnificent stories from developing creators, and everyone in between. I just wanted to give a content warning for what's up ahead. This episode will talk about abuse and it will talk about the Black Lives Matter movement very briefly. So if you're sensitive to hearing or listening to these topics, I highly recommend that you just skip over this episode and move on to the next episode in this podcast. Today we have Kieran Chaudhry, a first year's master's in cybersecurity and an IT professional. In our last episode, we touched on the gender inequality that's present in the field of computer science. Uh, so I wanted to talk to her and dive deeper into gender inequality in terms of interpersonal and social relationships. How are you doing, Kieran? Hi, I'm great. How are you, Shika? I am doing great. Um, what would you define relationship abuse um, as? Relationship abuse can be seen as such a daunting phrase. Um, Someone could be sitting down thinking about their relationship and thinking about aspects of it that could be making them unhappy and could kind of just like let it slide and think, oh, well, fights are normal in a relationship. Whether that's with friends, whether it's with um, a work professional, whether it's in a romantic, intimate relationship, I feel like oftentimes people just aren't educated enough in terms of what red flags are, what are the warning signs of abuse. And oftentimes when we think of abuse, people think of physical abuse, being beat up or hit or something. Um, But like relationship abuse isn't always about being physically hurt. It's also emotional. It's also psychological. There are so many different forms of abuse that people don't even realize are actually, that people don't actually realize um, can be seen as abuse. Yeah, and I really liked your point about how it's not just physical, it's also like mental or emotional abuse. And it really is like harmful and detrimental to the to the victim. Um, so I, I, I wanted to like ask, there's a lot of people that just think like, I think you mentioned this, that, you know, fights are normal in a relationship. So what do you think is the difference between like a healthy relationship and one that might have some red flags in it? I personally myself was in a abusive relationship after which I did a lot of like research and really tried to um, learn a lot about what does a healthy relationship look like? Because I remember just being this normal schoolgirl, going to school, minding my business, going to classes, going to work, coming home, not really doing anything, entering this relationship where I thought in the beginning that it was great. And then just realizing after it all fell apart after two years, that I wasn't the same person anymore and something had to change, that I had to regain the light inside of myself, but how was I gonna do that? 
So I started researching on different forms of abuse, what abuse looks like, um, what are red flags. And I think it's such an important thing to do, not even just if you're in a relationship, but even if you're just a single individual um, that's maybe looking to enter like the dating scene, I feel like someone should really understand what a normal healthy relationship looks like. And I think quite frankly, for me, that's knowing how to set your boundaries, having trust and respect within a relationship. And when you have a disagreement that it should be handled in a healthy manner, there shouldn't be any cursing or screaming. There shouldn't be any punching or throwing anything. Um, there also shouldn't be any talking down upon the person. You should be able to sit down, talk upon, talk upon the different points that you have, um, whether one person feels a certain way and another person feels a different way, you should be able to come together and think about what the problem is and what the resolution should be. It shouldn't be a continuous fight and it shouldn't be about one person having power over the other person. That's a really good point, actually, that like you need to be both equals um, in a relationship and not just like have this power dynamic that you know, one person controls every aspect of the other person's life. Um, and I, you know, I just wanted to, like, clarify that, yes, uh, you know, relationship abuse is a touchy topic, but the reason we're covering it today is because it's been um, in the news a lot as of late. We have... Um, you know, the killing of Brianna Taylor, who, uh, you know, was literally just, uh, you know, not doing anything that would have arose, arose suspicion. And now you have people that are targeting her boyfriend for calling the cops. And that's something I think we should talk about is how does the media affect how people, review, how people view uh, this type of abuse? Um, I feel like, quite frankly, the media will always portray, you know, the facts that they are given, the biases that they are given, but it's not an enough of an accurate description of what abuse really looks like for the victim, what does it do to the victim, and quite frankly, what does recovery look like for a victim? we hear about so many women so many like males also go through relationship abuse but i feel like that's also another thing that is not talked about enough is how are males affected by relationship abuse or touchy topics like rape um women often have a larger voice in terms of these things but even many times women are oppressed from talking about um things like rape in terms of like oh it'll affect um, her dignity, or it'll affect um, how society looks at her. And then there's also situations where, like, uh, women are falsely uh, accusing males of rape, or, you know, where then people don't know how to believe victims that have actually gone through uh, these unfortunate and tragic experiences. So there's just so much to unpack when it comes to uh, relationship abuse and I feel like while maybe media does the best job that it can it's really not shedding enough light on the most important topic here which is the victim and 
what um, also instigates this culture, this rape culture, this um, idea of just kind of letting abuse slide. Um, and not really enough is being done, in my opinion, to help victims recover. Yeah, there really isn't. Um, there's a lot of people um, on the internet, especially, that are quick to just assume that, um, you know, if, like you said, if, if someone accuses a male, if, like, a woman accuses a male of raping her, they will believe her. Um, and that's kind of been turned into a sort of joke where, like, you know, you have to be the nice guy in order to make sure that she doesn't, um, she doesn't, uh, blame you for something like that and take it to court. Right. Um, and I think that's really harmful for p males that actually do, um, males and females, honestly, but I think more so males that go through that kind of abuse because I think a lot of males, uh, just sort of shut down after a point because they see that like you know there's so many people that are just against them and i feel like once a male is falsely you know accused of rape i feel like you know even if he's cleared of those charges maybe some people in society will still look at him the wrong way so it really is something that kind of sticks with you for a very long time if not your whole life yeah and you know you can have that you can have just that, uh, you know, just being accused of rape can, like, uh, get you fired from your job, even if you were, like, there for literally your entire life, your working life. I think it's really, in these circumstances, important to understand what exactly is rape, what defines rape, what can be considered rape, and what is also considered consent. You know, how can I be sure that later on, um, if I was to look back at a situation that I engage myself in, how can I make sure that this is something that was done appropriately um, with consent from both parties and cannot be considered a rape? Yeah, and I think we should actually dive into that. Um, what is consent? Like, what counts as consent and what does not count as consent? I would say that you have to have a really um, important and, you know, serious noted discussion with the person that you're trying to get sexually in engaged with. You really have to sit down and talk to them, um, you know, and make it known that you're serious about engaging in sexual activity. You want to pursue something when they are sober, you know, you don't want to do it when they're not in a sober state. and um really set the boundaries understand the concept of having safe words um if this person says for example stop you have to stop you have to know when to pull the plug and have your limits set your boundaries set and you have to understand what they're comfortable engaging in and what they're not comfortable engaging in before you decide to um actually proceed with having sex um it's really important to understand also that if they change their mind at any point in time and they say no i don't want to do it it's better to stop right then and there and say okay you're not comfortable that's completely fine and stop it's important to really have that sense of respect between two people and i think that's really what defines consent i really like the way you worded that that i think perfectly 
embodies what consent actually is. And it reminds me of this YouTube video that I think went viral uh, a couple years ago where like someone was made the analogy of like, you know, consent for like, you know, consent for tea. Um, you know, you ask if someone wants tea, right? And if yeah. they say no, you don't make the tea for them. That's literally right. it. You don't shove the tea down their throat. If they're intoxicated and they say yes to the tea, you make the tea. You might make the tea for them, but if they pass out on the table before you actually, you know, finish, you don't shove that tea into their mouth. No, I remember exactly the video you're talking about. And that is a great analogy, quite frankly. Yeah, and I think that really just like made it really apparently clear that like there has to be you know clear consent there shouldn't be any uncertainty when you're trying to engage in uh sexual behavior Absolutely. and you know if there is you probably should get that cleared up first as for rape um you know, I feel like some people don't even realize that so much can fall under the category of rape. Um, for example, if someone's emotionally pressuring you, for example, um, there's a concept of coercion. If someone's trying to coerce you into uh, having sex with them, that can be considered rape. Um, and I feel like a lot of people don't understand that people think of rape as just, oh, uh, a random stranger uh, beats you up and forces you to have sex with them. Um, but sometimes, or actually more often than not, someone that rapes you is someone uh, that you know or you have an intimate relationship with. There's also um, the idea of partner rape. And people have this misconception that just because you're in a relationship with someone that you can't be raped, which is completely false because you still have ownership of your body and what you choose to do with it. And if you don't want to have sex with someone and they try to force you to have sex with them, um, whether it's emotional pressure or um, physically forcing you to do something, that is still considered rape. Exactly. And, you know, being married or being in a relationship doesn't automatically mean that you're, you know, giving consent to your entire body. Uh, you're giving away your entire body just you know it, it's literally just that I want to be with this with this person I don't want to you know it doesn't necessarily mean that like I want to give everything right there shouldn't be any sense of entitlement exactly and that's a really good um, point because like you said earlier you know men and women can both be raped and it's not just like you know male oppressors there are a lot of males who have been the victims and i think it does come from the sense of i think some of it definitely comes from the sense of like entitlement where it's like you are supposed to do it you have to do it absolutely and i feel like that's definitely one of the themes in terms of a an abusive relationship where the victim constantly feels like they have to do something in order to please the abuser or make the abuser uh, feel content with the victim. And it's really um, a sad thing because after a certain point, I feel like the victim becomes very attached to the abuser in a very toxic way to where they're constantly not thinking about themselves and how to make themselves happy, but more so 
how to constantly please their abuser, who is never going to be happy with them. And there's definitely like a fine line between, you know, making sure that the relationship is going the way you want it and making sure that the relationship is staying unbroken. Absolutely. Um, and I think like that's definitely something that a lot of people, um, especially victims, tend to misconstrue in their heads at first. Uh, it, maybe like, you know, it can seem like keeping the relationship together depends on you both being happy. So, of course, you would want to make the person that's unhappy, happy. <laughs> right. And in a lot of um, abusive relationships, the abuser tends to take away a lot of power from the victim, whether that's financial um, holds over the victim or it's uh, separating them from all of their friends or making them feel low about themselves to the point where they feel like they have to ask permission from their abuser for certain things, such as, oh, what do I wear? Or can I hang out with this person? Or... Um, can I do this or that? You know, it's more so like it becomes a very, like a power dynamic and they don't see themselves through the same light that they used to. They lose their confidence. Yeah, and I think that ties in really closely with mental health and just like how um, victims tend to be uh, more prone. I mean, obviously you do not have to be you know, you don't, you do not have to be any of these things, but you do, there is, uh, I've read a few studies and there is actually a correlation between high levels of empathy in victims and, you know, abusive, that, that have been, you know, abusive relationships that they've been in. Absolutely. Empaths are always a target. I feel like, um, a abuser will really analyze the, their victim and they know, um, in and out what they're, victims weaknesses are and they know that they are victims are genuinely you know most of the time very kind people very soft-hearted people compassionate and these are the things that the um abuser will feed off of and really want to take advantage of so that they constantly have this source of supply um and it's it's really like a terrible thing the best thing quite frankly for a victim is to leave that relationship as soon as possible. Um, whether it's a friendship or a intimate relationship, the best thing is to completely cut all contact and to really stay as far away from the abuser as possible. And in some cases, unfortunately, the victim can't because sometimes it's a parent. Sometimes it's a, um, a person that they're married to and they share kids with. But there are still in those cases boundaries that can be set and I feel like that's why it's so important to be educated on topics such as um, abuse like for example narcissistic abuse um, as well as red flags and setting boundaries and how to really respect yourself yeah that's definitely really one of the most important things um, in order to combat relationship like relationship abuse or uh, domestic violence is just inform yourself. Get to know what the red flags are, what the signs are, what types of abuse that there are out there. And, you know, if you see any of those red flags or you just have this gut feeling that it's not, uh, you know, the right thing 
to be in, the right relationship to be in, you should follow that feeling. Absolutely. Gut feelings are definitely always 100% right. I would say one of the takeaways I had from my own experience was that I would allow my abuser to make me feel like I was crazy, to make me feel like my gut feelings weren't right, but they always were. And now I will never allow myself to doubt my gut feeling. If I feel like something is wrong or that I'm not being treated according to how I would treat others or how I want to be treated, I will not allow myself to stay in that situation. And I think it's really important for victims to be able to realize that they can overcome the um, current situation that they are in. It's just a matter of having a proper support system or really gaining that self-confidence to tell themselves that yes, I can leave this situation and I can still come out of it fine. And to be honest, probably even stronger than they were before. I think that's a really important takeaway for anyone that's listening um, to consider as well. Just like, if you feel like it's not going right or if it's if there's something really really wrong you you should definitely listen to that feeling you shouldn't be manipulated or allow yourself to be manipulated um into trying to ignore that feeling right and oftentimes victims are so afraid of telling their story i myself um have not even been able to open up to close friends and um it was really a struggle for me because I would literally choke up on my words and wouldn't know how to express myself and what had happened to me. There's oftentimes feelings of guilt and shame and, you know, oftentimes the victim blames themselves for allowing themselves to be treated that way or for why the abuser is treating them that way. They will believe anything the abuser says at one point. They will start to feel um, low about themselves and they In theory, it's easy to say that you shouldn't allow yourself to be manipulated. You should realize that this is a red flag. But once you're stuck in that situation, it becomes a different world for the victim. So they should definitely allow themselves to forgive themselves for um, staying in that situation for as long as they did but should definitely try their hardest to um, reach out to resources, um, whether that's talking to a crisis hotline, whether that is getting support and aid from others, doing their own independent research, they should really try their best to get out of their abusive situation as soon as possible. Yeah, and of course, like you said, it's much easier said than done. Um, And I think, like, actually taking a moment to realize that you are worth it. Like, you have some sense of integrity, of dignity, of, like, you know, you are a person. And that, you know, if something is not feeling right, if something is feeling very, very wrong, that you, that it, it, it's probably affecting you at that fundamental level. Absolutely. And while it also is extremely hard for abusers to change, I feel like um, there are many instances where therapy can really even help an abuser. Um, I wouldn't say that this applies to all abusers at all. Most abusers will not change throughout their entire lifetime. But 
getting therapy and getting that help for both the victim and the abuser is uh, really a healthy step towards improving um, both of their mindsets. And definitely for couples, I would advise um, for people that are, for example, married and share kids to not go to couples therapy. Because if the victim wants to really be able to express themselves and the abuser hasn't really changed their ways, the abuser can then, um, the abuser can then end up uh, weaponizing whatever the victim says and really make it harder for the victim to heal. So if a couple does decide to do therapy, it should be independent. Um, they should each go to their own therapy sessions alone so they can get their proper uh, space and advice um, in a healthy manner. Of course. And I think that uh, making sure that you have those outside connections and making sure that those you know, the, that those helplines that you have created for yourself stay there um, is really one of the most important things. Uh, for me, that is definitely probably one of the biggest red flags that something is going wrong. I haven't directly been in a um, relationship that has been abusive, but I can, I have definitely seen friends um, who slowly drifted away and you know, they come back about a year, two years later, and they're completely broken. Um, so I think, like, if you or your friend is, you know, slowly drifting away from the rest of society, is, you know, they're locking themselves up more, and you don't quite know why, just check in with them. I think that's an important and, you know, a really important point that you made. That was definitely, quite frankly, one of the mistakes that I myself made is I, you know, I allowed myself to drift away from my friends. And some of my friends were very receptive um, of me coming back into their lives after two years. And some of them were just uh, very, some of my friends were very concerned, but they didn't exactly know how to help me because they had never been in that kind of situation. So I think it really is important to really be informed and reach out to the proper um, resources or hotlines or even getting therapy. There's so much, you know, stigma around getting counseling or getting therapy that I feel like it's slowly, uh, that is slowly fading away but um, it's still really important. And honestly, therapy can only help you um, really deconstruct all of the trauma that you have been through and really help change. Um, it can help you feel like you have a safe space uh, to vent out your concerns. And, you know, at the end of the day, something productive will come out of it because the person listening is a trained professional on how to really help you organize your thoughts and more importantly, help you move forward past this experience. Yeah, that is probably one of the most important takeaways, I think, from the, well, we have a lot of takeaways from this episode, but I think that's definitely one of the most uh, crucial, that if you, for any reason, it doesn't have to be, you know, that you're going through this, if, you know, if you are, if your mental health is degrading and you know that it's degrading, whether it be through outside forces or internal forces, 
or a combination of both, seek help. Go and see who is available to help you, who is the right person for you. And yes, sometimes, you know, it can take a while to find the right therapist and there is always a right therapist. The first therapist that you take is probably, sometimes it will be the right one for you, but sometimes it will not. And I can attest to that, (laughs) but you know, it's, it's a process. It finding help is a process. And if you just put, if you just push through that small bit of time where you have to, you know, actively go and seek help, you will be so much better by the end of it. Absolutely. Um, Being in my relationship, uh, my former relationship truly ended up destroying me. Like I could not recognize myself. I was the type of girl that was so um, intrigued by school, learning new things, taking up new challenges. And throughout my relationship, I started um, losing interest in all of that. I honestly uh, didn't want to pursue my master's at one point, something that I had always dreamed of. um, I didn't want to do it anymore. I was afraid. I was afraid to be myself. I thought I wasn't pretty enough. I thought I I wasn't smart enough. I didn't know how to voice myself, um, voice my opinions. I didn't feel like my opinions mattered. I was always afraid of being judged. There were so many things, Um, but quite frankly, that's why I think it's so important to speak up or to even seek that help or even to get um, a support system or fight through the situation because one day you will look back at it and realize you never needed that person or you never will allow yourself um, to end up being in that kind of situation again and the place of life that you'll be in at that point of time you'll just be so proud of yourself and you'll be so thankful that you didn't hurt yourself that day or you didn't um, allow yourself to stay in that situation any longer where you weren't being valued. And you'll accomplish all of your goals and your dreams, but it all starts with baby steps. And that's why I think it's so important for um, more light to be uh, shined on survivors, especially through platforms like the media. Yeah, and I think that actually is a really good summary for what we've talked about. Um, And on that note, I would just like to thank you for being here and talking about your story and just shedding some light on what counts and what doesn't count as relationship abuse and how survivors can uh, get out of those kind of relationships and start their way to recovering um so it was wonderful having you again on this episode and thank you so much for sharing your story and your thoughts thank you so much for having me it's always a pleasure of course Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Creative Minds. If you like this episode, you can support these creators by using the links mentioned in the description. Please follow our Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel in order to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Also, share this episode with anyone who you may think may benefit from it. Friends, family, your neighbor, your dog, whoever. 
And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye!